Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name's Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much for being with us on this summer Sunday morning. I want to say hello to all those of you that are here in our online campus, those of you that are watching uh, online through Facebook, or maybe you're even watching like right on YouTube. You are one of those, those people who are like, I'm going to do it my way. Or I want to even say hello to all those of you that are in a watch party. What are watch parties? Well, Watch parties are gatherings of people that are gathering in each other's homes on Sunday mornings, and they are watching today's message uh, with each other and just uh, celebrating together, loving one another in small groups of safe, safe, safe numbers of people. And uh, so anyway, you can join a watch party too. If you, uh, I will share the link at the end of the message today uh, for you to be able to do that. You can get online and do that as well or check our app and look under groups, but the watch parties are there and available for you to sign up. Plenty available at this time, and uh, so join a watch party, man. It's just a, uh, an incredible way to fellowship with other people and worship and uh, hear the word of God. Amen, everybody? All right, so we just want to say hello to those of you. If you're brand new here with us, just uh, say hi over here in the chat box so that we can say hi to you. We'd love to greet you. Well, today we are uh, continuing our summer series, and we're starting off with a message that I think is... Uh, really important, and, uh, and actually, we're not starting off, we're in the middle of the series, but we're, today's going to uh, kick off with, with a message on our vision statement, like why we exist as a church, and um, the, the, the one word that I want to kind of rally around, because our vision statement is this, it says, we are reaching people far from God and teaching them to follow Jesus step by step, and I want to focus in on the very first word, and that is reaching it's super important, especially now in the middle of all that we're going through and the world seems to be in turmoil and there is so much division, there is so much hurt and there is so much pain that we understand why we exist as a church and that as a church, we be people who are reaching. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were in a series called The Church Defined and we talked about some attributes of our church and who we are to be, but, but I wanna talk specifically today about why we are supposed to do it. And the reason why we exist as a church is to reach people far from God, period. That's it. We are to reach out and, to, and touch people's lives. And so Mark 16, 15 says this. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world. Everywhere. There's no exceptions to that. There's no place that's uncomfortable. There's no place that's too hot. No place that's too far. He said, go everywhere and tell the good news to everyone. And he didn't say, go tell them about this awesome church service that you experienced. He didn't say, go tell them about your, the latest watch party or, or how great the fellowship is. Or he didn't say, go tell them about our kickball team that is really awesome and wins trophies and tournaments. He didn't say, go tell them about what we do in the parades and about the outreaches that we do. He didn't say that. He said, go tell them the gospel. Tell them the good news. And you say, well, what is the good news? What does gospel mean? It's, it's the good news about Jesus. That's, that's simply what it means. And it's really important that we as Christ followers fulfill that command. He said, hey, go, tell everybody the good news. And so today what I want to do is look at the life of Jesus because we're Christ followers. We're supposed to watch him and learn from him and do it exactly how he did it. So we're going to look at 
John chapter 4, we're going to find a story uh, that demonstrates specifically how Jesus reached somebody that was far from God. And it's important that we look at this because there's a lot of moving parts to this story that really speak to us today because we can learn how to reach people in the middle of a pandemic. We can learn how to reach people in our ordinary lives. We can learn how to reach people when we're on that mountaintop experience and everything is going good. We can learn how to reach people when we're in the valley and everything seems to be going wrong and we're despairing. We can reach people when we're in moments of exhaustion. We can do that because Jesus did that. And we see that happen in this story. So let's just get right to it. This is John chapter 4, verse 4, one of my favorite sections in, in, in the Bible. And it says, now he had to go through Samaria. There was a reason that he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. So understand context here. Jesus was just at a wedding with his mom and his disciples and some family members, and Jesus does his first miracle uh, he turns water into wine, and now they're traveling home, which, by the way, something interesting about this story is, is that the pathway home uh, would have actually been easier going a different route, but the Bible says he had to go through Samaria, but Samaria would not have been the choice route for any Jew at all. Here's why. Because the Jews and the Samaritans were at odds with each other. There was a whole lot of racism going on here. Because the Samaritans at one point in time in the Jewish people's history were Jews who were left behind after an exile to Babylon. And what they did was, in order to preserve their people, they married from, uh, people from other tribes, non-Jewish people. And so they had children that were, that were uh, a, a, a mix of the multiple clans. And here's what happened. When they mixed the clans, they, they not only mixed culture, but they also mixed religions. And so the Jewish people wound up serving false gods, lowercase g gods, and, and, and integrating a culture from a whole bunch of clans from around them and from people groups around them that had nothing to do with them. And then when the Jews came back, they saw them and, they, and their children, you know, it had been, been generations at this time and their children were now inundated with this and they considered them to be half-breeds. They considered them to be unfaithful to God. And, and, and when I say half-breeds, I mean kind of like in the, in, in the way that like in the movie, uh, in, in the books Harry Potter, that, that, that there was a pure line of wizards, right? And, then, and they called them mudbloods if you were mixed in, right? Where, come on, where are my Harry Potter fans at out there? If you're a Harry Potter fan, 50 points. 50 points gets awarded to your house, if over here in the comments, you can tell me what was the, the name of your favorite book using only emojis and go. All right, so there's a distraction for a second. But anyway, they, they were, the Samaritans were looked down upon, and so much so that the Jewish people didn't even fellowship with them because of their decision to uh, intermarry and to serve other gods and to go off in another direction, okay? And so, but, but Jesus, the Bible says he had to go through Samaria and uh, it means he had to go through something. He had to go through an experience that he would not have been pleasant for everybody around him. Uh, and, and, and all for what? Well, I think it was for this moment. It was for the woman he was about to meet. So here's what it says. So, so it says that, um, that, that he sat down by the well. And he was tired from the journey. And it was about noon. So it's midday, okay? And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? 
his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So let me explain some additional stuff that's going on here. So not only do we have the fact that, that the Jews are now, uh, the Jews, <laughs> Jesus and his Jewish friends and family are traveling through Samaria, a place they would not have wanted to travel through, but now uh, we're also in a place where Jesus is sitting somewhere, he's tired from the journey. And I love that. I love that the humanity of Jesus is on display here because I think we always picture Jesus like nothing ever got him down. He was never tired. He never experienced things like you and I did. But these verses, things like this, make me feel really relatable to this guy. Jesus was tired and exhausted from the journey. And I know you and I get that way too, whether it's from the, the journey of the day, the journey of life, the journey of relationships, the journey of our finances, the journey back to health, whatever that might be, the journey can be exhausting. And I love that, that that is included in there. And so Jesus is tired. And then here's this woman coming to the well at noon. Now listen, this is not common, common practice for people to come draw water in the middle of the day. The reason this woman is coming in the middle of the day is because everybody else in the town that was nearby would have come early in the morning, in the cool of the morning, not when the sun is the highest and the hottest, to carry a large jar of water. That doesn't make any sense. The reason she was coming is because she was considered to be an outcast. She was known for her mistakes. She was known by, by the decisions she had made that were poor, and she was not somebody that was welcome with the people of, of, of that city. And so she was coming at noon, maybe because of shame, maybe because of rejection, but she was coming most certainly to be by herself. The next thing to notice here is that, yes, it's a Samaritan, but also that it's a woman. See, let me just take you back history here. In the Bible, you see, in the Old Testament, you see that women are elevated left and right. They are used by God, and they are honored by, by people. But something happens along the way throughout Jewish history, and maybe it was due to the exile in Babylon, or something happens throughout culture where up until this point, now when Jesus is on the scene, that women are now belittled. They are thought less of. Women had to cover their heads and their faces in order to be in public. They, they, they didn't have a voice. Uh, they, they were ultimately oppressed in the time. And so a man to speak to a woman, that was just not going to happen. They didn't acknowledge them in this way. It's certainly not in, in, in social situations like this. And so what I love is, is this picture. Jesus is exhausted. They're, he's traveling with people who would have not wanted to be where they are, so they're probably grumbling and complaining and, and just, just upset that they're there, and they're, it's noon, and they're all hungry, and here comes a woman who they all would have just refused to talk to, not only because she was a woman, but because she was also a Samaritan, and I love that Jesus just ignores all the social barriers. He ignores the racism that is around him. He ignores the fact that he's exhausted, which would have been a great excuse not to reach out and talk to somebody, and he just steps through all those things and speaks to her. What a beautiful thing this is. You have to understand, when you read your Bible, you need to read your Bible. It is beautiful what is happening. And I think for us, God will do the same thing for us. He will put people in our paths that need to be reached, like this woman in, in Samaria at the, at the well. I think God will place people in our path when we step into places where we don't want to be, when we're exhausted, when there's, there's social barriers, when, there's, when we've got excuses galore as to why we shouldn't step across those barriers and reach that person. I think God will put those people in front of us. And like Jesus, 
we need to open our eyes, surrender our excuses, and step into those opportunities. Because what happened with this woman is that she was totally blown away. Watch, watch her response in verse four. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Listen, if we're gonna reach people that are far from God, we've gotta be like Jesus in the first way and do what he did, and that is to value people. If you're taking notes, that's the first thing we need to do. We need to value people. If we're gonna fulfill this mission, of, or this vision of reaching people far from God, we've got to value people. Because see, Jesus didn't see a woman. He didn't see her as a Samaritan. He didn't see her based on the implied uh, character flaws and issues, the reason she was coming to the well at noon. He didn't see her because of her mistakes. She didn't see, he didn't see her for any of those things. What he saw her as was a person that God loved. And so he chose to love her too. He valued her by speaking to her and talking to her. And I think for us, it, it would be easy for us on a regular basis to discount people like this woman at the well. Someone who, who was not like us, some, someone who, that there are social barriers to and we make excuses for why we aren't gonna talk to them or even we look at somebody like this woman who's, who's in the situation she's in, coming to the well at noon because of the decisions she's made and we, we say, well, that's their fault. That's their choices. They're in this situation because they put themselves there and they just need to get over that addiction or they just need to get out of that relationship or they need to change this or they need to do, it's, it's all, we, we just discount it and push them away but Jesus didn't do that. He cared so much for people. He cared for the condition of her soul, so he spoke to her, and that's how he showed her that he valued her. We have to value people, because if we love God, we need to learn to love the things that God loves. And the most important thing that God loves, the thing that he's expressed his love for the most, is people. He loves, so for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, Jesus. He loves us so much. We can't love someone fully and completely without loving what they love. I've learned this in my marriage for sure. To Shanda, like one of the things my wife loves to do that I have not always loved to do, she likes to take perfectly good furniture and some beat up furniture and redecorate it. She likes to strip it down of its paint job, of its stain job. She likes to make it all bare bones and put in the sweat equity and the work to, to, to sand down that whole thing, to recode it, to paint it multiple times, to scratch it up and make what was something that looked brand new look really, really old. Like <laughs> She likes to do it. They call this flipping furniture, right? Or, or upcycling furniture when you find it all broken and stuff. And, and my wife loves to do that kind of stuff. And for a long time, I stood by and I watched her do it. I'm like, I'm not getting involved in that. I'm not taking perfectly good furniture and spending my time doing that. But what she does is amazing. The work that she does is so good that people are now bringing furniture to her and saying, hey, I've got this perfectly good piece of furniture. Could you make it look old and worn out? <laughs> it... But, but she loves to do it, she's good at doing it, and people love her work. 
So I'm going to tell you what's happened is, is, is I've actually joined in on the fun. I now drive around in my truck and I'm driving through neighborhoods and I see furniture that's out on the side of the road and I'm like, dude, we could upsell that or up, we could upcycle that. We could make this into that. We could strip the legs off of that and do this and sell it for that. It's not just about the money. It's the process of redeeming a piece and making something brand new out of it. I've fallen in love with it. I even watch Flea Market Flip with her, which is a television show that she likes to watch. We, we really enjoy it. And, and the reason I fell in love with it was not so much that I, I enjoy upcycling furniture and, and, and doing that. It's, it's because I love Shanda. And for Christians, we need to understand that you can't love Jesus without loving broken people. I'll say that again. Think about this. You, you, you can't love Jesus without loving broken people because Jesus loves broken people. He loves people that others have given up on. And here's what I'm gonna tell you as a church, that if we're willing to reach and we're willing to value people, if we'll love the people that nobody wants, they'll become the people that everybody wants. Societies, families, churches, organizations, maybe their parents have rejected them. And if we'll be willing to say to them, come as you are, God loves you and we love you, they'll come. We'll reach people. So the first thing we have to do to reach people is we've got to value people like Jesus did. The story goes on here, though, in verse 10. It says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, understand this, that living water, this terminology that's there, is not there just, just uh, uh, by, by, mis- by mistake, or it's not casually written there. Living water is water that, was, that had movement to it. In other words, it was water that was like a stream or a bubbling brook, um, a river. Th- these are living waters, and living water was the only kind of water that could be used to cleanse people uh, for, to prepare for uh, ceremonial, ceremonial cleansings for worship in the temple. Because there are certain things that people would do in their lives. There was, there was things that they would touch, places they would go, things that would happen, and ways that they would entangle themselves in life that they had to go to a place where there was living water, moving water, and wash themselves so they would be clean and be able to return to worship at the temple, which is where they, they would worship God. And so Jesus is pointing this out. He says, he says that I would have given you living water. That would have been desirable to her, okay? And Jesus, but Jesus is not just trying to, to slake her thirst, which is what she came there for. He's trying to get to her real need here. And he says, everyone who drinks this water, meaning the water at the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So if we're here to make a difference, if we're here to reach people, we have to do what Jesus is doing here and see the real need in people. See, she didn't need water. What she needed most was to be reconciled and restored in relationship to God. That she was in a cycle of sin here, and Jesus is just having the conversation to try to understand her story, understand who she was. And so he's asking her in a moment. He's, he's going to take the opportunity to see that real need. And we do that. We, we serve people uh, at the Dream Center. We serve people at the Heart Food Pantry. We, we serve people Monday through Friday at our feeding program. And, and we are meeting a physical need, which is fine. We, we believe in finding a need and meeting it, seeing a hurt and healing it. But our hope in doing that is that we, it will reveal an opportunity for us to meet the bigger and real need that they have in their life. 
And Jesus is looking at this woman, and he sees a deeper spiritual issue here than just water that she wants to slake her thirst. But for us, I think we tend to see the natural issues. We tend to see the, the masks uh, that people wear that cover their, 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 the, the spiritual need that they have or, or the, the, the product of, of that need or what happens as a result of having that need in their life but never having it met where they're trying to fill it with something else, filling it with alcohol, filling it with sex, filling it with relationship after relationship, filling it with, with success and career and money and trying to meet that inner need with a pattern in a cycle of, of masks or, or, or stuff. We, we tend to see those things, but Jesus is sitting here seeing that there's a spiritual need. That we, Jesus understood that meeting a physical need is temporary, that he could give her water, like they, they could, we could draw water, but that, that's, that's only gonna slake her thirst for a little bit. She's gonna get thirsty again. It would never be enough. And in fact, he's, he's alluding to the fact that, that whatever you're doing right now, all this other stuff you're doing to cover up the greatest need that's, that's in your life, the pain that's there, because the greatest need is not being filled, filled and that's a spiritual need, you're gonna keep getting thirsty again and again and again. But if you'll take time to see the real need in people's lives, if you'll meet that real need, well, then everything changes. Everything can change. And here's what's really good about what Jesus is saying. It's so good, man, so good. I love this part, is that when the real need is met, Jesus said that if, 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 you'll, let, if you'll drink of what I've got, then it'll spring up like a well inside of you. In other words, that it'll meet the need within you, and it'll bubble up so much that it'll flow out of you and begin to help you meet the needs in other people's lives too. For what, us, what that means is that no matter where we are, whether we're at home, on the job, you know, having lunch someplace, getting coffee someplace, or on a Zoom call, no matter what we're going through at that time, whatever we're experiencing, good, bad, the highs and the lows of life, whether we're exhausted or full of energy, that in those moments, uh, uh, everything we need, if we'll, we'll, we'll value people, we'll see that real need within them, we've got what, we need inside, what they need inside of us. We've got it. So watch what happens with the, with the response from the woman. And Jesus is offering to, to slake her thirst and give her water that, that she'll never be thirsty of again. And I don't think she's getting it. And she says, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now she's responding to the physical need that Jesus is offering. And she's ultimately ready to receive. Now her defenses are down. She's ready to be in conversation and and. and and she's open to it, right? And what you need to know is that everyone is thirsty. Everyone has a God-shaped hole in their heart and their lives that they long to be reunited with their creator. That is a need that is within them. No one wants addiction. No one wants brokenness. No one wants to wear the masks and, and hide the pain and get caught up in all the cycles that we get into and all the stuff we try to fill that hole with that doesn't ever work. Nobody wants that. What, what people long for, what they thirst for, it is to be restored, to be redeemed, to be in relationship with, with their heavenly father. And like the woman, people will be ready for, for that if you value them and see their real need. So Jesus has got her attention, okay? And, and he's, he's trying to meet the greater need inside of her by addressing what she's doing to mask her pain. Watch what he does. He, he he's just addresses this cycle of brokenness with one question. He's just asking, tell me your story and watch what happens. He says, Go call your husband and come back. 
Now Jesus knows, he knows. She says, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you, have, you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. I have to imagine in this moment that her jaw is literally hanging wide open. And, and I, I, I feel like I would have been in defensive mode and would have just been like, What you talking about? What, what are you talking about? Who you been talking to? Who, who do you know back in Sakaar where I'm from? Did, I, I, I thought you were, you were a stranger in my land, but apparently you know my people. They've been telling stories about me. She, and she's, she's feeling quite exposed, I have to imagine. But what Jesus is identifying her is her need for significance, her need for affirmation that she tried to fill over and over again with men. But ultimately, she needed to fill that with a relationship with God. And this cycle was creating more and more pain for her life. There was no solution. It was not the right solution for the need that she had within her. And listen, if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, if we're actually going to reach them, we need to value them, see the real need, and then we also need to do what Ephesians 4.15 says, is speak the truth in love. That's it. That's number three. That's the third thing we're going to need to do if we're going to reach people like Jesus did, is speak the truth in love. Jesus was trying to make an eternal impact here in this woman's life, not just take care of her physical thirst. And he just says, tell me your story. And I think we can do that. We are equipped with everything we need to do that. We've got a mouth and we've got ears. So tell me your story and then shut this mouth and open both of these. You know, you've got two ears and one mouth. That means you should be listening twice as much as you should be speaking whenever you're talking to somebody, right? My mama told me that or somebody, somebody and other people really smart just reinforcing exactly what she said, but it is true. Jesus, just tell me your story and we can do that. We have the opportunity to, to do that with, a lot, with anybody and everybody that we come in contact with. Tell me your story. And then just listen. And listen for the need to present itself. And when the opportunity presents itself, confront that need. Not in a harsh way. Not in a condemning way. But Jesus, what he did was he confronted that pattern of behavior that she and the whole town already knew was unhealthy within her. He didn't have to come down on her so hard and say, you thinner, you need to repent. He didn't do any of that. Jesus just identified it. And, and her pain was exposed in this moment. He spoke truth to her in love. And we've got to do the same thing. Because here's why. If you're taking notes, truth without love is hurtful. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Truth in love is healing. So let me break that down. If we... It, the, I think there are a couple different kinds of, of churches that exist. The churches that are all truth and the churches that are all love, right? The churches that are all truth just want to beat people over the head with God's word. They get somebody come in who's maybe living a life of addiction or maybe, maybe has living, lived a broken life and they're, they're broken in every way, financially, spiritually, relationally. They're broken in every turn. And people just want to beat them over the head and give them the rule book and say, this is what you need to do. You need to do this. It's better. This is, this is what it has to be. you got to go live this. And they give them a rule book, but they don't love them. And when they do that, it's just hurtful because you're, you're handing them a standard that they simply don't have the means to follow up with and, 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 and live out. And also, they already know. They're already experiencing the pain of their decisions. And we're just beating them over the head with truth. 
There are other churches that are all just love. Man, we just love you. We just love, love, love. We're never going to confront you about any of the sin that's in your life and the cycles that, that are leading to more brokenness and pain here. We're just going to love you. You know, love wins, and, and you know, love will win, win the day. And they say really nice things like that, but it's just like, you know, love is awesome. But if I don't tell you that what you're doing is, is taking poison into your life and destroying it, then I'm living a life of hypocrisy. I've got to tell you, hey, this is the source of your pain. I love you, and I'm willing to walk this out with you. There is better, right? We, we have to call them and share, them, share truth with them in love because the Bible says that the truth will set them free. If we really believe that they're caught in bondage, telling them the truth is important, but it must be done in love. That means that you must be willing to come alongside people and the messiness of their lives and the messiness of their decisions and love them in the middle of it. Accept them where they are. Accept them. Jesus did that. The, the people that he encountered were diseased. They, were, they had issues of blood, which you weren't supposed to touch anybody that had blood. You weren't supposed to touch the dead. Jesus touched and raised people from the dead. He healed people with issues of blood. He, he spent time with lepers. You weren't even supposed to be near them. They were supposed to call out, unclean, unclean. And Jesus stepped across those lines and touched those people. He spent time with prostitutes. He spent time with tax collectors. And he loved them and ate lunch with them right where they were. Jesus spent time with those who were unloved and felt unlovable. He just loved them. But the, what happened with Jesus is he didn't leave them where he found them. And that's, that's for us, that's where we need to be. We need to be able to say, hey, come as you are. We're reaching out for you. We value you. We, we see that real need that's there. We're gonna speak the truth in love. Come as you are, but you can't stay that way because there's better, because there's better. So if we're gonna reach people, we need to value them. We need to see their real need. We need to speak the truth in love and watch the woman's response. Watch it. Here it goes. In verse 25, she says, I know that Messiah called the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Now, what she's talking about there is her immediate response to, to Jesus calling out her sin was to ask for, which the verses I'm not reading to you, is she, she asks, she's like, okay, well, how do I do this then? How do I do this? What's the right way to worship? Because the Jews say that you have to worship in the temple. Our people say that you have to worship in the mountaintop. And there's this way to this way. She's asking for the rules. And this is a common response because when people come to church, they say, let me clean up my act. Let me stop drinking. Let me stop cussing. Let me get my relationships in order. Let me get my finances in order. Let me get myself in order before I come to have a relationship with God. And, and that's what we do. We want, how do we do it? Give me the rules, give me, give me the book, and I'll, and I'll study the rules and how I need to modify my behavior. But that's not what Jesus is calling us to. That's not the life that we live as Christians. But this is a very typical response when we're confronted with our sin. Give me the rules, behavior modification, and let me tell you something. All that is, is religion, and it stinks in the nostrils of God. That's right, I said nostrils. It stinks. Ugh, you're right. I don't know if you've ever smelled the worst thing and, and you've, that you've ever, what the worst thing you've ever smelled was, but for me, I, one day I was at a water and waste, uh, water and, uh, and wastewater treatment plant and uh, the, the, the stuff that they were filtering out of the water was being dumped into this bucket. I put my nose in that thing and, and took a big smell. 
I felt, it knocked me backwards and I went to puking immediately. And I feel like religion does that in the nose of God. It is stinking thinking to think that we have to clean ourselves up to think that anything we could do is what makes us right with God. That is just not what, what Jesus is all about. That's religion. What can I do to get to God? And that's not what this is all about. Jesus doesn't even answer her question about the right way to worship and the right way to serve God. He doesn't even do any of that. What he does is he points her to the Messiah because look what he says. She says, I know the Messiah called the Christ is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So if, if, if we're going to reach people, the fourth thing we've got to do is just point him to Jesus. Jesus didn't point her to the rules. He didn't point her to the temple. He didn't point her to the mountain. He didn't point her to the rites and rituals of the Jewish people. He didn't do any of that. He pointed her to himself. And listen, that's why we're here. That's why we exist as a church. We're not here to, to sell you on the idea of church membership. We're not here to give you a bunch of rules. We're not here to collect money. We're here to point people to Jesus, to get them to heaven. This is not about rules. This is, this is about your heart. Because I believe, and we believe as a church, that if God gets your heart, then everything else will, will, will line itself up. That, that if he gets your heart, he'll get the rest of you too. He'll get your mind. He'll get your relationships. He'll get your finances. He'll get your entire life if he gets your heart. You'll learn to obey because you love him. That's what Jesus said. If you, if you love me, you'll obey me. So, so all we want to do is make sure that you give your heart to Jesus. Because rules without relationship is religion. And religion isn't the answer. Jesus is. And this process for people and how they get to a place where they are in love with Jesus is messy. It's a messy journey for people. As we point them to Jesus, we, we have to be patient as he gets their heart. And little by little, they'll take steps towards him. Now, I'll be really honest with you and get in your business a little bit. The reason that we tend to push rules on people is because we don't like messy we just don't like messy. We want to control somebody. We want to make sure that they behave like we think they should behave, that they look and dress and speak like we want them to behave. And I'm telling you, it's behavior modification. It is religion, and we need to let go of those ideas and let God do what he does. And if we're willing to do that, he'll win their hearts. So we, if we're going to reach people, we've got to value people. We've got to see their true need. We've got to speak truth and love. We've got to point people to Jesus and, and, and that should be all, but there's one more thing that's so important here that I can't miss that's in this story. One more thing, and I'm just gonna speak just to us Christians because if, if we miss this, sometimes we miss the big picture. We forget why we're here. Watch what happened in verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Why were they surprised? Because she was a Samaritan and she was a woman, right? Remember, the, the, the racism and the, the uh, oppression of women, right? So Jesus stepped through that. They're surprised. Then, leaving her water jar, so the woman just forgets why she was there, leaves her water jar behind, and she went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Look, here's what's happening. And this is the danger and the thing I'm going to call to us Christians and kind of pastor your heart a little bit. They were so busy about serving Jesus, doing what they were called to do, what they were told to do, that they got so caught up in themselves and lost focus of the mission and why Jesus was there in the first place. They, they got so focused on getting, getting Chick-fil-A for Jesus, must not have been a Sunday that they were traveling that this happened on. They show up with food, and, and they're like, hey, you need to eat. And they're focused on the ministry or ministering to Jesus and doing this and what they were sent out to do, and they've lost sight of the fact that there is a woman here who is placing her faith in Jesus and that there's a whole town that revival is coming to, who are getting ready to come out and celebrate that they have discovered the Messiah. And I think that can be us. I think we can get caught up and lose focus of what's really most important. We can get caught up in serving. We can get caught up in the doing of the ministry. We can get caught up in our own lives. Like, hey, I'm saved. I'm good. And we can look at certain things and and certain situations or certain ministry opportunities or certain gathering opportunities, like, for instance, like watch parties, and just say, well, you know, and I don't know where you're at with this or why you're choosing not to go to a watch party, but, but maybe one of your excuses for not going to a watch party is, it's like, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't really need to go there. Well, you know what? It's possible. It's quite possible that we might be missing the big picture here that it's not about you. That remember that spring of life that has welled up on the inside of you because you've been connected to a relationship with Jesus? That spring of life might need to flow into someone else's life. And I think that if we lose focus, if we forget why we're here, so I'm not the pastor, I'm not the worship leader. No, but if you went to a watch party, you might meet somebody who the spring of your life might flow over into theirs and lead them to a relationship with Jesus. Like, if we're going to reach people, we've got to remain focused on people. And I would say it this way. We've got to remain focused on the eternal. Because there's nothing here on this earth that is going to make it into heaven except people. There's nothing that's going to follow us there. It's just them. Not your money, not your stuff, nothing. It's just people that are going to go there. So we have to focus on people. Because if we get too focused on what we do, we'll forget why we do it. And the disciples, man, they got distracted by the food, by, by serving Jesus, and they missed this woman in the entire city that were experiencing a refreshing, experiencing a relationship with God. But Jesus, of course, lovingly directs them like I'm, or he lovingly redirected them like I'm lovingly redirecting you. I'm gonna speak the truth and love to you right now. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So he's got a focus, man, that yes, he was exhausted. I'm sure he was hungry. I'm sure that taking care of that was important, and I'm sure that he eventually ate. But he's like, my focus is this. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And today, church, that's my prayer for you, is that God would open your eyes to see that there's people to reach, especially in the middle of this pandemic. 
I know that we're social distancing. I know that it's different. I know that it might be strange. I know that it, nothing has looked the way that it has, has looked since March. I get it. I understand. But those are excuses. You have to see that for what it is. There are people that you can reach. There are people that God is placing into your pathway in common situations, in, in, in your doctor's offices, on your Zoom calls, on the job, at the coffee shop. There are people he is placing in your pathway that if you've lost focus, you'll miss. My prayer is that you'll open your eyes. You'll see that the harvest is ready. So let's be people. Let's be a church that is reaching Let's love who God loves so that we can reach people. Let's value people like God does, no matter what they've done, no, no, no matter their life experience, no matter what brokenness they present, everyone has value. Let's see the real need within them. Let's take time to say, tell me your story. Let, let me hear the story of your life. Listen for the pain. Listen for the real need. And when the opportunity presents itself, speak the truth in love. Walk through the messiness of life with them and point to that which is better. Point people to Jesus. Let him get their hearts. Don't worry about, about correcting everything that they do. Don't, don't, don't worry about, about the words that they say or how they dress or the music they listen to. Jesus will take care of all that. That's what his Holy Spirit does. He convicts us. He leads us, guides us. He lives on the inside of us. That's his job, not yours. And then Christians, Christ followers, stay focused on the eternal. Let's, let's understand that heaven is real, but so is hell. And both of them are for eternity. And that there are people that are gonna go to one or the other. And we have a responsibility to make sure that heaven is full of people. To make sure that God's house is full so eternity matters. And we can do these things because we have the confidence that sin doesn't work, people are hurting, and Jesus is the answer. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would give us your eyes, that we would begin to see people like you see people, that we would begin to value them in the way that you value them. My prayer is, God, is that, that as we value them, as we, that we would value them in such a way that we would be willing to give of our time just to say, tell me your story. I'm willing to listen. I want to hear. And Lord, as they, as they share their story, as they share their life, as they speak to their pain, I pray that you would show us their real need. Lord, and as we, as we see that need, may, may we be willing to speak to it in love, to speak truth in the way that, that would be helpful to them, to, t- to, to tell them, I love you where you're at and the messiness and all of it, and I'm willing to walk with you towards better. And then God, let us... Let us be bold and constant in pointing people to Jesus. And Father, may we never, ever, ever lose focus of the fact that eternity is coming, that eternity is real. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to do this. And I wanna look in this camera right now and I just wanna speak to those of you that may be far away from God. And I don't have to tell you that the, the, the mistakes that you've made or the cycles that you're caught in or the things that you've been trying to fill your life with aren't, aren't satisfying you. You already know that. I'm not mad at you. 
I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. You already know. Money doesn't fill that need because you're always thirsty again. Sex hasn't filled that need. Relationships haven't filled that need. Success hasn't filled that need. Nothing. The likes on your Instagram account, the drugs hasn't filled that need. All it does is numbed it. All it's done is, is been a temporary solution to something that is eternal within you that needs an eternal solution. It needs to be connected and filled with a relationship with your creator, with God. And, and so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you an opportunity. I believe that God has a plan for your life. I believe that he loves you and I'm pointing you to Jesus. I'm gonna point you there because I believe that he wants to heal the pain that you're experiencing. I believe that he wants to redeem your life and use you for good in this world. I believe that he wants you to have a full and fulfilled life here on earth and eternity with him in heaven and the new earth that is to come. I believe he wants you to know him and enjoy him. And today, the the only way for you to do those things is to receive the work that Jesus did for you. What am I talking about? Well, you and I are all born sinners. And the sin that we've committed in our lives and the sin that we were born into separates us from God. He's holy and he's perfect. And there's nothing we can do to bridge that gap, to ever be restored in a relationship with him. The best we can do is spend our lives and the rest of our eternity in hell paying for our sins. And that still wouldn't be good enough to restore us in a relationship with God. But God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life. And he died on a cross. He was murdered, surrendered himself to, be done, to have it done to him. And that in three days he rose from the dead. And because of his death, burial, and resurrection, what Jesus did for us is allowed it and made it so that you and I could be forgiven. The sacrifice of a perfect life, one, was good enough for all of our lives. So we're forgiven through Jesus. The way we do that, the way we receive that is not by doing good works. You don't have to do a thing. Just say, Jesus, I need you. And so in a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you wanna be counted on that prayer, there's a little banner on the screen right now that says I'm raising my hand. If you're in our online campus, I would love for you to click it right now. Just do it. Just surrender your life to him. Say, Jesus, I need, I need you. I, I want that which is better. I want a full and fulfilled life. I wanna stop this cycle of brokenness. I wanna be restored into relationship with God, have my life redeemed and make a difference in the lives of others. I want it to matter. So if that's you, I'm gonna pray this prayer. Click that banner, do it now, and repeat this prayer after me. Believe it in your heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Be Lord of my life. Show me how to live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, the Bible says if you prayed that prayer that heaven's having a party, and if you're, no matter where you're at online, we are celebrating with you as well. In fact, over here in the comments section, come on, show these people some love for the commitment that they've made today. Woo-woo! Man, I'm proud of you. Uh, if you made that commitment today, take this serious. Take the next step. Fill out the Connect card. Over here, in the, if you're in the online campus, you can fill out a Connect card. Or if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, there are links in the description that you can click that will take you to a Connect card. And that Connect card gives you an opportunity to say, I said yes to Jesus today. 
What that will do, since we're in an online church environment only, is engage my team to reach out to you to make sure that you get a Bible, that you understand what your next steps are, that whether if you live here in our community, we can get you connected to the community that is meeting in the small groups that we're meeting in, uh, and so that you can begin Christian fellowship. But if you're somewhere else in the country, we'd love to help you find a good church. You need to be rooted and planted in a church. You're not meant to do this on your own. So, so clicking that will help us engage you and help walk with you through the messiness of life and, and what this new relationship with Jesus looks like. And it is our honor and our privilege. And won't you give us that opportunity? So make sure you do that at this time. Now, as we're wrapping up today's service, a couple things I want to say. Uh, if you are, are here and you would like to give of your tithes and your offerings, thank you so much for doing that and being faithful in this season. Man, last weekend I got to do something really exciting. You all know that that a percentage of the giving that comes in, 10% of every week that comes in, we give away to other, uh, to missionaries, to church planting organizations. And last week uh, I got a call from a new church plant in Chicago, pastors Chris and Sarah Griffith, uh, pastor a church called Rhythm Church there. And it's an online church right now. They just launched a few months ago. And uh, he said, hey, man, he said, we're starting to get set up and we're starting to get geared up for in-person services. He said, one of our needs is a soundboard and they're expensive. And, uh, and I said, well, send me what you want. And we were able to, because of your generosity, purchase a brand new soundboard or a soundboard for them and uh, uh, got that to them in their hands this past weekend. And so super excited about that. Want to say thank you for your generosity. It's making a difference not just here in Columbus, not just here in Ohio, but in Chicago at Rhythm Church. And uh, so thank you so much uh, for, for helping that brand new work get off the ground and reach people there in that city and around the world. Uh, a couple of things you need to know about, of course, I've already mentioned the feeding program that we do Monday through Friday. You can join us uh, of course, sign up. There's a link that's being shared right here. We serve from 5.15 to 6 p.m. Uh, it's a very short time commitment. And uh, we are having a blast uh, loving this community and feeding these kids. We need, we've upped our daily need from three people to five people. We figured out a better model. And so there are more opportunities for people to serve. Your kids are welcome to serve with you as long as they are of age and able to maintain uh, a mask and gloves. Uh, but uh, uh, we would love to have them join us. So click this link that's being shared here, and, uh, or you can go to our website and look up the feeding program there and register to serve. Uh, also, watch parties. Watch parties are open right now. You can register for watch parties. That link is being shared wherever you're at as well. And then this week is Third Thursday. Third Thursday is Leadership Lessons for Life, and we do this once a month on the, yep, you got it, Third Thursday. So uh, you can show up. It'll be, we'll air them at 6.30 and 7.30 right here in our online campus. So uh, plan to join us this Thursday. Uh, everybody is invited, no matter whether you're in a leadership position in your organization or in our church. Everybody is a leader because leadership is just influence and all of you have influence. So come, come be with us. Come join us in growing in our influence together. All right. Hey, guys, that's all I've got for you this week. Uh, we love you so much. Thank you so much for your giving. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for showing up to the feeding program and just continuing to make a difference in the middle of a pandemic. I love you guys. We'll see you right back here next week with another message in our summer series called Is My Butt Too Big? You'll have to tune in next week to see what that's all about. God bless you guys.